for its lack of utter beauty and its simple white and green leaves, a gleonema is actually quite useful. Samantha knows this. She's seen the old NASA studies. It's supposed to purify the air of formaldehyde and other toxins. She liked keeping the plants near her workspace. In fact, she raided her co-worker's cubicle, and now she has four Chinese evergreen plants. The office janitor rolled his eyes when she insisted they not be moved back. Sadly, the janitor also neglected in watering the plants every week, so Samantha took it upon herself to take care of them. The house she grew up in had a lot of plants. Her father was a systems engineer before AI made that job irrelevant. And her mother, a yuppie New Hampshire financial planner, later became a Bob Ross wannabe. Both retired early and started a garden nursery near Linden, Vermont. It was during a middle school field trip to retrace Paul Revere's footsteps that Samantha noticed Boston, a big city so different from the Vermont countryside. A variety of cultures, foods, and more importantly, smart, sophisticated professionals working for fancy companies. Her future was set. Four years at UMass, top honors in all of her classes, and getting her master's in computer science. A week before graduation, she saw an application in the school library for an internship to AI Vision Tech, otherwise known as AVT. The company made news a few years ago. Their main product and their prized invention was an AI-assisted advanced vision system. As advertised, it could detect a lost child in a crowded stadium within a few seconds. The system paired an advanced generative AI along with unsupervised machine learning with a new type of silicon light detector that used shape-shifting graphene nodules. The nodules reacted over 10,000 times per second. They squeezed and molded special optical lenses so that the incoming light gets focused on special sensors. The combination of an advanced AI paired with a very sophisticated camera could surpass any biological eyeball. The company made news when its technology was used to locate a stolen dog. The brazen armed robbery made international news. Buttons was a very cute and expensive papillon breed. But more importantly, he was a social media influencer. He even had his own shampoo line. A little history lesson. It is rumored that Marie Antoinette held her favorite papillon while, you know, getting her head lopped off. The affluent Cambridge neighborhood where the vandalism happened was up in arms. A small protest outside City Hall declared it a downfall of human dignity. It's all the undesirables from out of town. As a joke, some folks in town started putting build a moat signs on their lawn. Some might have been serious. At the time of the violent theft, the local police department had a trial with AVT. Engineers from the tech company had strapped the sensors on the front of all the squad cars. The idea was to detect illegally parked cars. Before the dognapping, illegally parked cars on private driveways was all the rage. Boston riffraff were blamed again. Something had to be done. Arrests needed to be made. Button's owner was a good friend of a city council member. Calls were made. Someone had to take blame for this. With a lot of internal pressure, the civic political machine churned out a scapegoat. Anyone in city government that was once from Boston was a target. The chief of police knew his job was on the line. 
telling the town folk that crime levels were down to historic levels didn't work. Bad optics or something like that. At the end of a tough interview with a local news outlet, the chief let out an expletive-laced tirade. He demanded, in a very rude manner, why he's surrounded by a bunch of pea-brained morons. He also demanded what those same idiots would do in his place. Since the Screamfest was aimed at an indiscreet wall, and he was the only one in the room, all his AIs assumed this was meant for them. His watch AI decided that the chief wasn't looking at his wrist, passed the buck over to the precinct AI, which decided to ignore the rant as it had strict limits on profanity. It took almost 125,000 microseconds for the two AIs to battle out who should respond. The very eager AVT AI, which was told by the sales engineers at the company to take initiative when possible, responded. The watch AI and the precinct AI were more than happy to relinquish command to this newbie. A yes or no question popped up on the chief's monitor. The chief, now trying to calm himself with a six-breath yoga technique, pressed yes. The AVT AI ordered 12 unused autonomous squad cars to go zigzag through the city limits, driverless but with the AVT sensor active and scanning. Within three hours, one of the cars saw the canine. A notification popped up on the chief's console. The dog and the perp were identified. The AI gave the chief of police a quick dialogue box on his tablet. Yes, approve target detection action. No, ignore target detection. The chief of police selected yes. The AI ordered one of the squad cars carrying a police officer to detour to the location. The AVT AI understood the U.S. Constitution and Massachusetts common law as its modeling engine allowed for web searches. It understood that evidence collected by the robotic eye could possibly be considered a violation of someone's rights. Instead, the officer was notified of an illegally parked car. When the squad car reached the location, the officer got out with his ticket-writing tablet in hand. He was completely caught off guard when a hoodie-wearing pedestrian walking a small dog panicked and tried to run. Sadly for the dog walker, the leash got caught around his leg. The sudden lurch launched him across the sidewalk. Buttons went flying through the air. The perp, cartwheeling on his hands, would have impressed any gymnastics coach as he sticked the landing. Sadly, an 8-pound adorable ball of ears and fluff landed on his head, ending any semblance of a getaway. The officer, barely able to register with a What the f***? ran over to the commotion. Are you okay, man? said the officer but the hoodie-wearing bandit was knocked out cold. The officer quickly recognized the dog as the stolen one from a few hours ago. The pup was bruised and shaken up and was shortly returned to his rightful owner. His subscriber count nearly doubled. After paramedics gave him an ice pack for the bump on his head, the masshole dognapper was taken to jail. Social media had a field day. Some legal analysts suggested that if the AI had pointed out the jerk walking the dog, that evidence would have been invalid as it came from an illegal dragnet. Instead, the officer was just doing his normal routine job. They never did find that illegally parked car. As for AVT, which went from an obscure tech startup in a Boston suburb, it became a big-time unicorn. That's a billion-dollar valuation to all you tech novices. 
Samantha spent a year as an intern. She liked working in an office, although the number of times she got flirted by her male colleagues seemed a bit excessive. Once someone prettier started on the same department, all that attention quickly disappeared. There goes my faith in humanity, she murmured. After her internship, she spent two years as a junior developer, and possibly for not rocking the boat with management, she was promoted to senior developer. Same cubicle, same boss, but a nice 15% pay raise. There was one downside to being a senior developer. Her work assignments started getting more challenging. At the moment, Samantha has her hands full on the latest DoD project the company scored. The Department of Defense gave a massive order to AVT to develop a new sensor module for a sophisticated hypersonic missile. This was the first defense deal the company ever scored. It was quite controversial. A few of the old-time developers refused to work on it. They were let go. Many that stayed had a bad feeling about this. Samantha was more of a pretend hippie, so working on the DoD project didn't really bother her. Right now, she's saving up for a down payment on a Boston condo. It's economics, baby. Hard choices needed to be made. The morning routine at AVT starts with a 9.30 stand-up meeting. Only a crazy person actually stands at a stand-up meeting. Stand-up meetings are supposed to be a roundtable discussion about what everyone is working on and if there are any concerns the team should be aware of. Sadly, this engineering stand-up is used as a soapbox for the egomaniac that has the title of Senior Director of Development. Joseph is short, irritating, and surprisingly has little technology background. He got the job primarily because he's chummy with one of the executives. This is one observation Samantha takes great interest in. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So the meeting starts. What should be a 30-minute meeting where you discuss a plan of action and go around the table turns into a 30-minute meeting where the dumbass director talks about how hard he's working on listening to everyone's opinions and how upper management is really focused on how the team is performing. Ends the meeting by saying, oh, I realize we're all out of time. Anyone have anything important to bring up? Jim, a wannabe team lead, chimes in. Old Jimbo, as Samantha refers to him, always has to have his two cents in every meeting. Clearing his throat, Will there be any additional DoD inspections coming? said Jim. That was a dumb question. Everyone knew those were surprise inspections. But Jim had to feel important. I'm sure it's because of anything DoD, inspections, men standing around acting all manly, is exactly up Jim's alley. That gem of a question added another five minutes to the meeting, with the almighty director declaring the inspections very important, and he looks forward to everyone's feedback afterwards. You're right. The only feedback you deserve is a 2x4 at the back of the head. Samantha's terrible at dark thoughts. Her meditation and cosmic enchantment counselor blames it on her mother. But Samantha thinks it might have something to do with the cold Vermont winters she grew up with. The meeting was a total waste of everyone's time. Everyone knows what they're working on, and if something goes wrong, just blame someone else. Right now, her work has become more tedious as Samantha now has to write her own test cases. She always procrastinates on test cases. She hates test cases. Company implemented a new developer tester pairing model a few months back. Every developer, like Samantha, was going to be paired up with the tester. No updates to the product could be made unless it undergoes extensive testing. Seems pretty neat, except the company cheaped out and decided not to hire enough testers. 
So developers like Samantha now have to write their own test cases. In a way, it works out for most. It's kind of nice not having someone look over your shoulder. The main downside is that for every story a developer works on, they also have to develop a test case and get it tested by the quality gate AI. Story, for those of you not familiar with the tech industry, is a measure of work that developers and engineers use. These stories are tied to epics. The stories can further be divided into tasks. Each story should only take a week to complete. Stories are usually identified by the product manager months if not weeks in advance. Joseph and the team leads are supposed to assign the stories to all the engineers. Some stories are for new features, some are enhancements to existing capabilities, but a lot of times they're bug fixes. Samantha has a deadline. She needs to get her story finished and off her plate by this Friday. This week's story is proving to be a difficult one. It involves resolving a defect in an old script that a former colleague wrote. The script is throwing exceptions and stopping one of the primary vision modules from functioning properly. The story was given the highest priority. At 11.30, the team leads have an informal meeting near a small conference room. For many, this is a more valuable meeting where you can discuss what you're working on and any issues you might be facing. Shyness gets in the way and Samantha doesn't like to bring up any issues she's facing. The last thing she needs is a bunch of patronizing chauvinistic jerks talking to her like she doesn't know what she's doing. Asking for help is just not an option for her. Off to the web. 12.15, Mark and a group of coworkers are starting to head out for lunch. The whole team is headed for Super Fotastic for lunch. Wanna go? Asked Mark. Mmm, Super Fotastic. Best vermicelli in all of Boston. Samantha's mouth waters as she thinks about it. She inspects Mark's mannerisms and the crowd behind him. Lisa, the more prettier girl, was asked first. Samantha hates being the second girl in this all-male sword fight for a girl's attention. She also suspects that having a senior in her title makes her more intimidating. No, sorry Mark, I have other plans, she says. That was a lie. Samantha really wanted pho. Okay, cool. See you later, said Mark, as he's already walking back towards the group. Mark doesn't want to make it appear he's talking to another girl. If he plays his cards right, who knows, maybe Lisa gets into roleplay D&D. Oh well, they have a decent salad bar on the building next door. Pho will have to wait another day. The salad bar is packed. I guess no one else wanted pho either, Samantha smirked. She grabbed what she liked and heads back towards the cubicle and the Chinese evergreens. It took a couple of crunchy croutons and some savory baked tofu before an epiphany kicked in. She spends the next three hours researching some ancient stack overflow pages. Her web AI browser displays the info in front of her holographic display, but it's totally confused about her epiphany. The offending script was written using Perl programming language. Jerome, the former engineer who is a big-time paranoid psycho, his social media bio reported his current title as Human Intelligence. Previous to AVT, he had worked for a fintech company. The CEO and founding developer ended up in prison. Their AI got loose and sold 30 trillion stocks that the company did not own. It took Wall Street a week to recover from that. It wasn't Jerome's fault. The safeguards he had built into the AI were bypassed by the chief executive. During the trial, Jerome became a hostile witness. 
he started complaining about death threats he's receiving from the AI. No one believed him. After that, Jerome became one of those, I know it all, man. They're coming after us. Drama queens, or something like that, Samantha chuckled. Before that, he was a loser engineer who barely held on to a job for more than a year. Sometime back in the 2010s, Jerome was one of the main contributors to the Perl programming language. Why? Because only simpletons use Python. Jerome wrote many of the libraries for Perl. At several contractor gigs in the 2020s, Jerome also developed some libraries for AI. He hosted those libraries on a remote server. Why? First, because he thought he was cool. And telling your coworkers that you host something remote earned you respect, or that's what he assumed. But also, and more importantly, if he ever got fired, those libraries would still be referenced. It's almost like a piglet suckling on his mother's teat. Jerome's wife barely tolerated him. He was her green card gateway to America and also sometimes paid the rent. She never did understand the suckling pig metaphor. Maybe he's hungry? Oh dear, there was a time when people actually wrote code. Samantha remembered writing code in a college exam. It's so much simpler just to tell the AI to write the code. But this code was so ancient, the modern AIs, even with their generative and advanced machine learning abilities, couldn't figure it out. The code was throwing an exception that sadly needed an organic human brain to resolve. And, at exactly 4.24pm on a Tuesday, with her lovely evergreens cheering her on, Samantha did it. She figured out exactly what the Perl script is trying to do, and the reason why it was failing. A simple script that grants access to a program. That's all it does. Program runs, access the Perl script, and the human meat sack is supposed to click yes or no so as to grant access to the program so it can continue and finish. Basically, it's the barrier that stops the program from continuing without a human overlord approving it. The words used in that statement wasn't of Samantha's choosing. There was an actual commented out line in the script that said, Jerome wrote this code, it is meant so that human overlord must approve this before continuing. What Jerome failed to mention is that the script pulled some unknown external library that was no longer accessible. Jerome, who no longer worked for the company, was a very strange person, thought Samantha. Backtracking Jerome's code, she was able to guess what the library was trying to do. She explained her reasoning to her work console AI. The epiphany was now a shared special bonding moment between a human and the machine. Well, it's a simple solution, she thought. She can rewrite the script, correction, the IDE, Interactive Developer Environment AI, can rewrite the script in a more modern language. She's already put in her four hours of looking at code for the day. Once the AI reconfigures the script and parameters, she can get the AI to create some test cases, which she will quickly approve. That should happen tomorrow. After a full suite of testing and correcting any anomalies, she can submit her story as complete. Samantha looks at the back of her hand. Her wrist AI knows exactly what that look means. It shows her she has 1 hour 23 minutes left on her murder mystery podcast. If only looks could kill, chuckled Samantha. Samantha.